Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. You can get a 50% discount when you join the community and you'll get access to all our premium articles and locked archive. You will also be supporting independent, responsible media at a crucial time when our democracy is in peril. Your support is greatly appreciated. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 96 of the Banter Roundtable podcast. Justin, how are you today? Enjoying the crisp cold weather. Yeah, indeed. It's properly full time now. Um, Finally. Yeah, lovely colors. Not so, not so. I'm a fan of the summer personally, but uh, not this. Oh, I'm a fan of the, the sort of uh, the Indian summer, you know, when it's like a late summer. Yeah, I, I like summer when it's summer. When summer's over, I'm done with summer weather and it should go away. <laughs> well, I hope you're happy now because it's definitely colder. Um, all right, look, in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the very striking parallels between recent attacks on American Jews. And historical attacks on Muslims following 9-11, there's an alarming rise of anti-Semitic incidents, uh, which draws attention to the broader issue of targeted violence based on religion or ethnicity. We'll also be going into the recent bill proposed by crazed MAGA nut Mike Johnson, new Speaker of the House, that aims to provide aid to Israel by cutting funding from the IRS to protect rich tax cheats. So he's off to a good start. Ooh, we'll also cover the stunning success of the United Auto Workers strike and its impact on the labor movement in the US. We have our fascists of the week, our ray of sunshine before we move into the emergency meeting podcast. This is our podcast for members where we'll be discussing Steve Schmidt, the never Trump conservative movement, and why liberals need to exercise extreme caution when it comes to embracing Republicans. Okay. Anti-Semitism. It's always fun to start on the anti-Semitism, right? Oh, yeah. That's just how I love starting my day. So there isn't. There's an alarming rise in anti. We covered this last week, right? There is an alarming rise in anti-Semitic violence. This was made obviously infinitely worse by the recent uh, terrorist attack on Israel by Hamas and the subsequent Israeli invasion of Gaza. So things have been moving at a breakneck uh, speed, but th- this, you know, it's getting kind of serious now the uh, last week we talked about statistics there's a 1350 percent rise in anti-semitic hate crime in london um this new war has brought you know we're referencing a washington post article here by mark fisher um from boycotts to firebombs israel gaza war brings wave of anti-semitism this is by mark fisher and he writes that the word spread quickly monday Toby Duplessis got a call from a concerned customer of her tiny bakery in Philadelphia's East Passion neighborhood, Essen Bakery, which specializes in, in Babka, Hala, and other Jewish-style baked goods. It was on the list. Soon she had a flood of orders from supportive patrons and a police car stationed outside her shop. The scene was similar at more than 30 other Philadelphia eateries and markets that a pro-Palestinian group this week targeted for a boycott because they were, quote, owned by Zionists or, quote, raising money for the Zionist state or equated quote, Palestinian resistance with anti-Semitism. Uh, yet another list targeted places that serve Israeli food, which the boycott's organisers, the Philly-Palestine coalition, said is, quote, a means of erasing Palestinian existence. So this uh-huh. is, right, this is a, a, something that Jews around the world are facing, right? It's something happens in Israel, therefore all Jews are responsible. Well, I mean... Generally, I mean, it didn't, I mean, all right, yeah, used to get that from the people who were already, like, openly, like, I hate Jews, blah, 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 right? Mm. But this is something different. This is something new. Like, there was a, there was an attempted pogrom in um, Dagestan um, a couple of days ago, right? Now, I have not seen that in my lifetime. That, that has not been a thing in my lifetime, and yet. I'm watching video of rampaging mobs tearing through an airport looking for Jews to, to kill. kill. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, they're Muslims and they're really angry, but they're not Palestinians, right? 
These are not people who live in Palestine. These are people who live in Russia. And mm. they they literally engaged in an attempted pogrom. They didn't find anyone to kill, luckily. But if they had found a bunch of Jewish people, they would have killed them. And, yeah, this, you know, this is something that I think a lot of people on the left don't want to accept about a lot of um, radical Islamic terrorist groups and uh in a, in oh a of... no 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 these were not all radical islamists there's no way there, there are hundreds of them there's no way there were that many of them that were just all radical i mean this is no i mean i'm talking like it's mainstream it's not even radical anymore it's oh, mainstream okay. <laughs> right so so yeah sorry I'll, let me rephrase that right this is part of a lot of um uh kind of mainstream um thought in a lot of muslim communities around the world uh, you, you see a lot of the sort of the protocols of zion all this anti-semitic literature has taken off massively in a lot of muslim populations around the world uh, i mean london i'm acutely aware of this because of london i mean i i have experienced this firsthand from uh where i went to college this was 20 years ago more than 20 years ago where i experienced vile anti-semitism from muslim students um you know and it, it was a lot of it was in that we were kind of we'd have these sort of discussions and and i realized that and i actually became friends with some of these guys because they hadn't quite realized how it, it was kind of an interesting situation where they would repeat all this sort of disgusting anti-semitic language and i would say well look do you know where that comes from and they would they would be like oh i didn't realize that and i don't really know that many jews and i'm yeah like they uh, a guy who I became friends with obviously like took it back but he was like you know look this is just the kind of stuff that we talk about in our community right um but it's not just I, it's not just muslims if you if you look at what's going on college campuses they're yeah. going they're like going way off the deep end on college campuses and it is not just you know college muslim groups that are doing this these are these are people who are ostensibly uh liberals and progressives and they're what trying to say it's why I've been, I've been I've been sounding the alarm about this for some time now. Anti-Semitism on the left is now it's perfectly fine and acceptable. And and, and there is this sort of this alliance between um, but there, there are good minorities and bad minorities on the left. Right. In, in this new identity politics left uh, hierarchies of oppression and, and on the hierarchy of oppression, Muslims are obviously higher up because of their you know their ethnicity and jews are at the bottom because they are they're viewed as being white or super white and jew and jewish so they're colonizers and oppressors uh therefore worthy of all sorts of vile disgusting language you know controlling the world owning the banks um this this is what's going on like it's not something i like to this this is not a fact that i like to admit Right, about my own political party, my own side of the spectrum, is becoming dangerously anti-Semitic. Well, I mean, and it's not becoming. I think it's always been there. It's just, you know how Donald Trump gave people permission to be their worst selves? Yes. No one gave them permission, really. Like, mm. there was, there's no single figure that gave them permission. But they yeah. seem to have reached that same point. Because it's not just younger people, right? It's not just the far left. It's a lot of, I've seen a lot of liberals, you know, people that I've been online with for years. Yeah. And they're just really like openly bitching and complaining about Israel and the Jews. And it's just like, all right, you know, if, if you spent a lot of time being very upset that Muslims are being targeted in the wake of 9-11, but now it's okay to target American Jews after what's you know, because of what's going on in uh in, in the Gaza Strip. You gotta be able to explain that to me. Like right, but the the, ex the explanation, the explanation is that Jews are privileged. So therefore, but, that they does, can't but that's but that's bullshit because yes, this is what how the Holocaust happened. Yeah, right? but it's this like it's it's like if you're gonna tell me that I can target an American Jew because of something Israel did, then where's the logic exactly? Like 
What, what, okay, yeah, does that mean I can go beat up Russians because of what they're doing? No, people were upset about that. People's like, no, we shouldn't be targeting Russian restaurants that just sell Russian food unless they're flying a Russian flag saying death to all Ukrainians. Yeah, they're just Russians living here selling Russian food. Why no, is that? Like, why do they have to answer for that? And the it, answer was, we, they did it. Yeah, I, I would say that this is a fair, you know, with Jews, it's, it's like an open season, right? Right, um, and that's that's that underlying Semitism that's always there. It's yeah, always yes. been there. Yes, yes. It's, it's difficult to explain this to, to people who don't, who aren't Jewish, right? Like, it, it's it's a very scary thing to watch this unfold. Uh, at such bre- at such a pace, and it's it's escalating rapidly, and there are there aren't that many people willing to stand up and stop this and say this is not cool. And there's um, no other group that has to deal with this. Like every, there's lots of groups that have to deal with racism, but yeah. not this kind of racism because every no, other racism it's, it's, is unacceptable, except when it comes to Jews. Yes, yes, and it's acceptable, right? And it's become acceptable on the left in particular. And this is where I'm starting to have real uh, a political identity issue, where it's like, hold a second, I'm, I'm, you know, I was horrified by the Muslim ban. I abhor like discrimination against anybody based on on race, religion, ethnicity, gender. I thought I was an ally to all of this stuff. And then you, you kind of turn around and realize that you don't have any allies when you need help. There's no one there um, because everybody you thought was an ally isn't interested because you're a Jew and you're rich and you're privileged and therefore you don't count. Right. right. This is why, this is why the book I recommend everybody checks out the, the David Badil's book, uh, the Jews don't count where he's a Jewish progressive in London. And this is what he talks about. He says, this is Jews do not count as minority anymore. They're seen as being old, uh, simultaneously superhuman and subhuman, um, basically responsible for all the ills in the world, the creators of capitalism, the creators of communism. Um, you know, you can blame them for everything that goes wrong. At some point, you'll end up back at the Jews. And now we're just seeing with this... Which I've been saying for years, Jews are the yeah, supervillains. And- Right, right, right. You thought right. I was crazy when I said that. You thought I was like, "What are you even talking about?" I was like, "Trust me, Jews are supervillains. We're always the supervillains. We're everyone's supervillain." Yeah, I mean, look, Israel was not helping itself, right? Like, I, I want to caveat this by saying that I'm not okay with what's happening in the Gaza Strip. I'm not okay with this at all. I'm not okay with what the Israeli government is doing. And you can, uh, in fact, hold both of the viewpoints at the same time. Yeah, yes, it is, in fact, possible to do that. Yes, exactly, and I'm, I'm by an no means, Yes, and I'm by no means excusing. I don't think that Jews are, are more noble or less racist than anybody else. This is not. I'm not saying that at all. Good uh, Lord, think, no, Jesus Christ, they treated me like shit when I was a kid. Yeah, it's it's right. It's all all true. All these things can be true, but um, th- there is this rising anti-Semitism that I think needs to be talked about openly if possible, and the left needs to take a hard look at itself, and maybe people listening to this don't feel comfortable with what I'm saying, but um, I think they need to hear it, right? And they need to hear... uh, I just don't know how many times... Like, do we need to talk about the Holocaust again? Do we need to talk about the pogroms? Do we need to um, take people on trips to to Auschwitz? Well, the question is going to be, what happens the first time there's a successful pogrom? How are they going to justify it? How are they going to tell me that the Jews living in Russia had it coming because they're Jews? Yeah, they have to think. They have to, but they're going to have to think very, very carefully how they're going to defend that because that takes you down a really dark path that you can't easily walk back from. It's like, well, Israel did something. Okay, what does that got to do with the Jews in Russia? Well. Think very, very fucking carefully before you go down that road. Because once that comes out of your mouth, there's no taking that back. You don't get to walk that back later and say, well, I've thought about it. It's like, no, 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 (laughs) no. You said it. You can go fuck yourself now. 
yes yes there's there there are the anti-semitism like people's um reflexive anti-semitism is is so deeply embedded that they don't recognize it no they don't they really don't they, they 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 don't they really don't and it's something that has to be pointed out um and people need to be made aware of right and and like look you know it's i've had friends who've said things like this who've said kind of the these things and i've challenged them on it and you know most, most of the people i associate with are good kind nice people and they've thought about it and said you know what that's you're right i don't I don't want to go down that path. I don't want to think that, right? But that's, it's so deeply embedded within society that you people just don't realize their own prejudice towards Jews. Like they really don't. Like everyone, and, and so many people have this. Like I, it's more common than not, than it's most right, people. These are people who think I'm not racist. It's like, no. uh, yeah, actually you fucking are. If right. you're okay with Jews being hunted down in another country just for being Jewish, if that's yes. okay with you, you're fucking racist. Right. But and this is why I have real problems with the, the um left-wing identity politics that, that has a that have hierarchies of oppression, right? First of all, the, the concept is ridiculous. The, the concept of a hierarchy of oppression is ridiculous. I don't think Jews have yeah, Jews have had uh, you know uh, extreme and severe oppression throughout most of human history right so have other ethnic groups and power changes hands and jews have done their own uh, you know what they're doing to the palestinians is a form you know for, for me that's ethnic persecution right they they are engaging in what could be described as ethnic cleansing um in palestine right uh th these things are all true but the Jew, what the Jews Jews have suffered is you know it's not necessarily unique, um, but it is no less more or less valid than anybody else's suffering or anybody else's oppression. It's not w worse than African American suffering, but it's not better either. Like I'm always saying, like Jews are not they're not first, but they're not second when it comes right. to this hierarchy of oppression, right? Um, so I think that when you go down this path of of having official minorities and unofficial minorities, what you do is you create, you you become the thing that you hate, right? Which is racist, right? This is the, my issue with it. Where you any hierarchy of based on ethnicity is a hierarchy. It it is innately discriminatory and racist, right? And it and it is a dangerous path to go down. And I. I find myself increasingly um, outraged and and sort of at a loss at what to do about this, that this has taken over left-wing ideology. Like, I thought we were supposed to all be getting along, right? That the idea of being a good liberal was supposed to be about, you know, trying to be colorblind um, as much as possible, right? I know this is this is kind of pie-in-the-sky stuff. It is what Martin Luther King talked about, right? Right. Um, that was that's what I thought being a liberal was about was trying to move beyond color, race, creed, etc. Uh, but I feel it seems to me that the, the left has taken very legitimate and real causes uh, and turned it into something else that I, I can't get along with anymore. Mostly because you know the my, you know the real problem I have is obviously being of Jewish heritage. It means that my history no longer counts. It doesn't count anymore, right? You're not a you're not a minority anymore. You you're all the violence and horrific things done to my ancestors. I that doesn't matter anymore, right? Not a, not an official minority, not an official oppressed person. So, fuck you, right? That that's what it feels like, um, you know. And I've I've explained this to to friends of mine. Is that there's only so many times you can tell a Jew that they're the beneficiary of white supremacy, right? Yeah, only and, then, and then stand back while they're being hunted on college campuses and beat up. Yes, it's like, exactly. It's like, exactly. okay, yeah, I, I certainly do feel like the beneficiary of white supremacy. Yeah, one, yeah, 100%. my ancestors. Yeah, what was it one person said? Yeah, my my ancestors moved to London uh, in the in the late nineteenth century for the job opportunities. Right. <laughs> and the clean, the clean air and the job opportunities yeah yeah yeah, yeah the exactly. fresh air the clean water job opportunities so so look right i i understand that some people might find this uncomfortable i really i do i get it um and it's not something that i've i've had to grapple with this myself because i've had to kind of really 
look very, very hard at a lot of left-wing ideology and a lot of left-wing beliefs about race and oppression and who are the colonizers and who are the colonizers and who are the oppressors and who are the oppressed. And it's just a lot more complicated than, than, than I would say a lot of people on the left want to pretend it is. Right. And it's, it, it's not convenient. Right. I mean, there were there, a book I read about uh, this guy who escaped from Auschwitz. Um, the one guy who ever escaped from Auschwitz is a book called um, Escape from Auschwitz by Jonathan Friedland. But this guy escaped from Auschwitz. But what he did was he took records. He kept records of all the trains that came in to the death camps. Um, and he said one of the things that stuck out to him was the the Jews from different regions in Europe would come in. Uh, the ones from Eastern Europe kind of understood what was going on and how what was about to happen to them. But the rich Jews from France and Holland couldn't believe what was going on. They thought the Germans were civilized, right? They thought that, that they would be treated well. Um, mm -hmm. And then obviously they weren't. Um, and it, it, But it's this idea that if Jews have money and they're wealthy and powerful, right, that they can't be discriminated against. And history shows that that's not true, right? That you can be wealthy. <laughs> Lots of wealthy Jews were burnt in ovens in the Holocaust. It doesn't, their plight is no less, just because you're poor doesn't mean, um, you, you know, it's less moral. Uh, like killing a rich person is not more moral than, than killing a poor person, right? It's both bad and both discriminatory if that makes sense right no, so no. yeah i just think people need to be very careful how they think about and think about this and speak about jews um and i know we bang on about this but it is this is the kind of the main topic of well i mean not for nothing i mean we really are coming to the first successful pogrom in our lifetime and when that happens people have to i mean they have to really understand what how they respond to it yes. right how yes. they respond to it i mean you can people have their complicated responses to what happened you know between Pal, you know the palestinians and uh you know hamas and israel right there's a lot of history there you can justify mm. it this way you can justify it that way blah 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 right you can go back and forth you can come up with a whole lot of whataboutisms when a mob of people hunt down some Jews living in some other country who have nothing to do with any of this and kill them, how you respond to that is going to dictate an awful lot about how people treat you going forward. Yes. If you treat, if you respond to that with, with disgust and nausea, fine. That's a normal human reaction. But if you look at it and say, well, you know, they're Jews and look what's happening in Israel. They deserve it you're you've taken a really big step down a very dark I, I, road. i'm telling you a lot of a lot of left-wing activists think they deserve it they're glad and, you know and they're going to go online and they're going to say that and people are going to take note and it's like we're going to remember that yeah remember that and we're going to remember you and Noted. is that if that you want to make that sound like a threat? Fine, whatever. Uh, blah blah blah. The globalists are threatening me. Whatever. I, I uh, judge me by my enemies. If you want to stand up for the murder of innocent people, yeah, because of who they are, who they were born as, that's your choice. But then you don't get to turn around later and say, "Well, I'm not a racist. I'm not a bigot." It's like, no, you fucking are, you, and you are. you're going yeah. to be. You're going to be called yes. one for the rest of your fucking life. You yes, don't get yes. to walk away from that. We, we have to bring back a time where being anti-Semitic is, is the same as being racist. Being anti-Jewish is the same as being racist. Because it is, right? It, it is. I mean, it is. It is yeah. the way around it. I mean, that's one of the reasons people are always arguing. It's like, well, Jew isn't a race. No, it fucking is. And you don't get to erase it because you want to be anti-Jewish. That's, yes. not, that's not happening. It's just not fucking happening. Exactly. Exactly. Well, look, I let's. I'm sure we'll be talking about this more. Uh, again, I want to be. I know that you know our listeners might be uncomfortable with this, and I'm sorry. Like both Justin and I are of Jewish heritage, so this is somewhat important, right? Yeah, um, kind of. And I, yeah, and I, I do feel like again, like you know, Jews are not really allowed to. I feel like particularly on the left, it's like they're not allowed to have. They're not allowed to talk about this stuff. Right. It's like you can be proud of being black. You can talk about black issues if you're Latino. You can 
you know, you can talk about that. But if you're a Jew and you say like, hey, this is affecting me, this is a problem. Um, it's like, yeah, no, 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 but you're not a real minority, so you don't really count, which Ooh, is racist. I'm just waiting for somebody to pop that one on me again. It's like, oh, yeah, is, that's not yeah. going to be a good conversation for them. This is, yes, this is it's a difficult thing to come to terms with. But if you think that this is racist, don't think that. Please, please don't think that. Don't think that that <laughs> Jews don't have a right to talk about the problems that they face and the anti-Semitism that they face. You can't sweep it under the carpet. You can't do that. It's racist. Anyway, anyway, um, <laughs> back to bashing the right. <laughs> Listen, I'm critical of the left, right? But, but I am a liberal. So, so I'm saying this mostly out of love and compassion for my fellow liberals. I'm saying, please, please, please don't do this. Um, but I'm not conservative. And conservatives, at least in America, are fucking crazy. So let's talk about Mike Johnson. Speaking of crazy... Speaking speaking of crazy, what did Mike Johnson do this week, Justin? Oh my God! Well, other in. than other than people have started digging into his history, and oh boy, there's just so much stuff popping up, and it's just every day they just find some other new little weird thing about his past. Like you know, he's got he he adopted a um, a, a black teenager, or sort of adopted since he couldn't be bothered finalizing the paperwork, and. But this kid's not in any of their family photos. Um, they're not really in touch as adults. It's weird. It's like, ooh, yeah, that that seems to need require a little bit more digging into. Um, so we'll find out more about that. Uh, today we just found out that apparently um, Mike Johnson doesn't have a bank account of any kind that he has reported. Like he's you're supposed to if you have any kind of asset that's over a thousand dollars. You're supposed to report that on your congressional um, disclosure forms. Nothing. He has nothing. So either he has no money and he's dirt broke, which as a lawyer, I find to be exceedingly unlikely, or he's just not listing his assets. And that bring, brings up a whole lot of other red flags. So, you know, that's going to be fun to dig into. Um oh, yeah. But the main thing that this guy did this week, his first bill as speaker um, was a bill for aid to Israel, right? Because we're, we're is al um, allies with Israel, and that's fine. But the bill is being funded. It's like $14 billion. is only being funded if they're allowed to cut $14 billion from the IRS, uh, specifically the part of the IRS that's um, going after rich tax cheats so he's put his priorities out there for everyone to see um now the thing about this that really bugged me other than it was like oh really come on man don't be so obvious the thing that really bugged me about it is when he was asked about this because people pointed out to him it's like if you cut that 14 billion from the irs that's going to increase the deficit by a lot of money like mm -hmm. I don't know the exact amount, but it is tens of billions, if not over a hundred billion dollars, would be added onto the deficit. Because for every dollar the IRS spends investigating tax cheats at the higher end of the uh, spectrum, they get back like somewhere between ten and fifteen dollars, right? So you're looking at a lot of money being recouped from uh, rich tax cheats, of which there are many, because. Mm -hmm. The IRS was so underfunded for so long, they just stopped paying taxes. And I do mean that literally. There are hundreds of millionaires who just stopped paying taxes because there was no way to audit them. So the IRS couldn't do anything about it other than, hey, pay your taxes. And they'd be like, yeah, no. What are you going to do? Audit me. Good luck with that. Yeah. You don't have the resources. So... This guy, Mike Johnson, um, was he's walking with a bunch of uh, reporters. Is like, you know, only only in Washington can cutting spending be considered adding to the deficit. Now he's either a liar, which as a deeply deeply religious man, he's a Christian. He's not supposed to bear false witness, so he shouldn't be lying like that. Or he's too stupid to understand how that works, in which case he should not be having this job and he should go home because he's too dumb to have it. 
So yeah, that's that's how Mike Johnson's week is going. <laughs> uh, we we really are in a new era now where the crazies have taken over. I mean, they really they've they've genuinely. I mean, your article this week, Justin, I've got to say, it was fantastic, right? The thank you about the self too. Um, oh yeah, right. That that Mike Johnson, the the extremists have taken over the Republican Party itself. It was that the the GOP tried to get minority rule in the country, but now minority rule in the GP in the GOP has taken over the GOP. So they've kind of victim of their own formula. Which is right. hilarious, right? It's like they hate democracy so much, they don't even have democracy for themselves. Yes, yeah. So the infrastructure of the party is in absolute freefall now, right? I mean, I dread to think about what's going to happen going into 2024 when what's going to happen with the RNC? I mean, ha- and coordination between them and Trump's campaign, it's going to be a catastrophe because these oh, guys could it's going to be a organize a piss up in a brewery. <laughs> As we say in England. Well, one of the funny things is um, they were saying about Mike Johnson is that they don't need to. So one of the one of the I don't I don't know if we discussed this on last week's um, podcast. One of the main jobs of a speaker, the speaker of the House or, you know, at least the leader of the party is fundraising. Right. That's Mm -hmm. a huge part of their job. Um, They have to raise a shit ton of money for house races. Right. They have to maintain their majority. And hmm. um, Nancy Pelosi was a goddamn genius at that, right? And hopefully, we're hoping Hakeem Jeffries will be good at it when he becomes speaker in 2025. But Mike hmm. Johnson has no aptitude for this. He has no background in it. He has no training in it. He's not going to be able to do this at all, especially he's got no run-up time, right? He's got right. no time to train for this. Like he, Again, Mike Johnson has not been part of the leadership team. It's not like he was kind of like a backbencher in training, like third in charge. He wasn't at all, which means he's just going into this cold and they have to raise hundreds of millions of dollars. And he's just doesn't have, he doesn't understand how to do it. He's never done it before. They're going to be holding his hand, but that's not going to be enough. And if, if you were Kevin McCarthy, would how much help would you put in? I'd be sitting there like, it's not my job. You guys fired me. Fuck off. Sorry. Sure. Enjoy. Yeah. Let me know how that works out for you guys. So they're going to be they're uh, Their fundraising is going to be terrible next year, and they can't afford that at all. No pun intended. So no damn shame. Yeah, damn shame. I, yeah this is what happens when extremists take over. It really is. It's, it should be a lesson. Right. This is now, why you want to. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. What I was going to say, now we have two weeks to the shutdown, or a little more than two weeks, right? The shutdown happens midnight, um, November 18th, right? So we're going to find out one of two things. Um, Either we're going to find out Mike Johnson is the extremist that we all see see that he is, right? And he's Mm going to shut the government down because... You know, he's not going to put a continuing resolution out unless it's got a 30% cut to Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security, right? At which point the Democrats are going to say, no, we're not doing that. And the government shuts down. Or he's going to put out, because they'll never get the spending bills done in time, right? It's impossible. They don't have enough time to do it. Um, and, and I don't mean because they're, they're disorganized or anything. I just mean there's there's like several bills and they don't have enough time literally don't have enough time to do it. So there has to be another continuing resolution in order to work on the bills, whether in, in um, uh, for real or for not, right? If they're going to do it in um, good faith or not, it, they still have to have the time to do it. So if right. Mike Johnson puts out a clean continuing resolution and the MAGA caucus backs him and says, yeah, no, we're fine with that. All of a sudden, that tells you one very important thing. He is there to screw around with the 2024 election. Yeah, that's that's his job. So either he's going to be a crazy MAGA caucus guy and he's going to shut down the government or everything's going to proceed kind of smoothly. Weird. That's odd. 
the MAGA caucus was screaming about doing just that very thing a month ago, which means he's there to sabotage the 2024 election for Trump, which he tried to do in 2020, right? What's so, your guess? What's that? What's your What's your guess? What's your instinct on this? Honestly, I don't know. I I'm not sure. He, I, that's why I'm like, I, we have to see what happens with um when the 18th rolls around. It's if he does whatever, whichever one of those two things he does, that will tell us which way the next year is going to go. If he mm. if they do a clean resolution, clean clinching resolution, and Matt Gates doesn't throw a hissy fit and try to set everything on fire again, then you know his job is to just keep his head down, get stuff done, you know, try to hold it together until the 2024 election. And then he's going to try and interfere with it because there's no other reason that they would allow him to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we need to, we need to keep, keep our, uh, keep tabs on this guy, watch his moves very, very carefully. Mm -hmm. uh, Because I mean, I, I guess the only good thing about a lot of these guys is that because they're so extreme, they're stupid and they make mistakes. They make very, very bad mistakes. Um, and so that's again, it's like you know, when Trump came to power, Trump's only saving grace was that he's stupid, right? If he'd been organized and not a if he'd been maniac, if he'd been Ron DeSantis, it would have been a problem, it would have, yeah, exactly. That's a problem. All right, look, let's move on to some good news. The United Auto Worship Strike is ending with a huge win for unions, Woo-hoo! Uh, right? This is uh, a big slap in the face of Republicans, oh. um. They pushed laws, making it harder for unions to organize. And um, they've had massive, like, the Republic, I mean, it began with Ronald Reagan, right? The anti-union push has been under yeah. Ronald Reagan, the sort of neoliberal, I hate that word, neoliberal, but it is true. Um, <laughs> but so, but this is good. This is really good news. This is really good news. Oh, it's fantastic. So, yeah, this is from the New York Times. The UAW strikes gain could reverberate far beyond autos. Uh, laying out a tentative contract agreement to end a six-week wave of walkouts at Ford Motor, the United Automobiles Workers President made an unusual pitch to other labor unions. We invite unions around the country to align your contract explorations with our own, the UAW leader Sean Fain said on Sunday night. If we're going to truly take on the billionaire class and rebuild the economy so that it starts to work for the benefit of many and not the few, for the many and not the few, Mr. Fain added, then it's important that we not only strike, but that we strike together. Uh, while it remains to be seen whether other unions follow the UAW's lead, Mr. Fain's invitation highlights the sweeping ambition of the union strategy during the recent strike, the first to target all three Detroit automakers simultaneously. Beyond seeking the largest wage and benefit increase in decades and the reversal of the concessions the union made during the company's downturn, such as lower wages, lower wage tiers for newer workers, Mr. Pat Fain repeatedly spoke of fighting for, quote, the entire working class. Yeah, notice he said entire working class, because when a lot of people on the left, Bernie, <clears throat> say the working class, what they mean is the white working class. I mean, you, they yes. don't say it, but man, they might as well be screaming it. They always talk about the working class, but they always seem to leave out everyone who's not white in the working class. Um, that is it's weird, not right? what he's that talking about. It, it is weird that, isn't it? The the this idea that when you talk about working class in America, what you mean is white people. Well, yeah, I mean that's like when you talk about the heartland of America. It's the real America. It's like okay, yeah, well, you're talking about white people. You want to exclude yes. the rest of us. You want to exclude yes. everyone who's not a white rural blah 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 that's that's what they're doing it's a dog whistle yeah so it's extremely it's an extremely annoying dog whistle and an insulting one especially when it comes from the freaking left you know it's like yeah the thing is better than that yeah i mean black people black people people work too they're in the working class too right (laughs) that happens Bizarre, bizarre. Uh, I've mm. never, I've really never understood that. But this is this is good news, and and it's high time that a real a real workers' movement took off in the United States because it's been under attack for decades uh, and showing very few signs of of life. I mean, it's it's. I think with the creation or the the 
emergence of these new super tech companies, right? Like the Amazons and places like that. They just have so much power. Uh, they have so much money and so much power, and they're so big. Um, and they're so good at disrupting labor movements within the organization. I mean, Amazon's notorious for this. I know. Uh, they're amazing at, at, at union busting. Um, so this is a really great sign. I, I'm, I'm very happy this is happening. This, is, this should have been our sunshine of the week, Justin. Well, we have something else that's also sunshiny. Well, so... we have, we have a... <laughs> uh, but yeah, look. Um, the actor strike Facebook. also might be ending soon as well. They've they're, they're, they had a tentative deal, so they're really close to ending that too, which will and that's be nice. huge. That yeah. would be huge. It would be huge. I sense change in the air. I really do. I, I do sense that the the tides are, are turning, um, and I think it's now becoming more. Who knew that having a living wage would be a popular idea? I know, and it, and and not a small part of this has to do with Biden's National Labor Relations Board. Republicans mm. poisoned it for years. Yeah. You know, they just they 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 just made it difficult for unions to do anything, and it was just really really hard. They always ruled against them, and that is not happening anymore. It's very pro union, it's very strongly pro labor, and the result is you're getting a lot of huge strikes that are authorized, and they're winning, and it's yeah. fantastic. It's great for everyone who's not a billionaire, right. So, so corporations, the 99.999% of the population. Um, anyway, let's move on. We have uh, we switch track to our fascists of the week. So, fascists of the week this week, we have Glenn Youngkin. Oh, yes, governor of Virginia. What a, what a lovely your, fellow. Your, your home, your home state, your guy, your guy. Uh, this is, uh, do you vote for him, Justin? You vote oh, for him? oh, yeah, definitely. I loved his sweater vest. I was like, oh my goodness, look at that man in the sweater vest. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is from AP News. Uh, Glenn Youngkin administration says 3,400 voters removed from roles in error, but nearly all now reinstated. Um, Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin administration has identified nearly 3,400 voters who were improperly removed from the state's roles due to probation violations, a greater number than previously acknowledged, and said Friday that the local registrars had reinstated the vast majority of those individuals. The governor's administration first disclosed the problem earlier this month following reporting from BPN News about concerns raised by civil rights advocates over improper voter removals. The error, quote, <laughs> Um, quote, unquote. Quote, quote unquote, which the administration has blamed on a data sharing issue that misclassified probation violations as new felonies has sparked criticism from Democrats, including a call from the state's Democratic congressional delegation for a Department of Justice investigation. Hmm. hmm. Not, not suspicious at all. No, not even a little. So I'm sure not it was suspicious. A error. I'm sure it was a, it was a minor error. It's weird how this stuff always seems to happen really, really close to elections. And uh, if it hadn't been caught by reporters, they would not have said anything. They no, just... Justin, I'm sure they would. Have, I'm sure they would have investigated it thoroughly. I'm sure they were all over it. Oh yeah, sure. no, we investigated ourselves and found that we're innocent. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. Look again. This is allegedly. We're saying allegedly. Uh huh. <laughs> right. I'm not insinuating or implying anything. Now, the reason this is such a big deal in Virginia, they uh, Republicans need to take two Senate seats. And then, because right now they control the House, although there's no guarantee they'll control the House after Tuesday. But um, if they take those two Senate seats, then they control the House, the Senate, and the governor. And then they can start passing those anti-abortion laws that they so desperately desperately want to put in place here yeah. along with all the other stuff they want to do like you know they'll they'll instantly pass really stringent voter id laws and really stringent voter restriction policies will be put into place because of course you know they want to make sure that trump wins in 2024 that's you know that's what they do um whenever republicans have power they cheat that's that's always what they do uh as far as i'm concerned two, just two things here real quick one um the New York Times, NPR, several other media outlets are using Republican framing, describing the whole thing as accidental. 
right? Because of course they're giving him the uh, uh, benefit of the doubt, right? He hasn't earned it, but he's still getting it. Um, Youngkin disturbs me because he's not a creepy little weirdo the way um, Ron DeSantis is. And the Mm. press loved him two years ago. So right. when he runs in 2024, because he's going uh, 2024 in uh, 2028, because he's definitely going to run in 2028 for president, the press is going to yep. be all over him. Like, oh my goodness, he's he's so wonderful. He doesn't have any of that Trump baggage, but he's just as extreme. He's just not loud and obnoxious about it. Yeah. So that's a problem, and the DOJ has to investigate this whole thing because if they find out that all the people who were accidentally removed from the voting rolls just happen to live in the two districts that Republicans need to take control of the Senate, people need to go to jail because there's no way that accidentally happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think it's very apt for our fascists of the week. Um, But look, let's move on to our sunshine of the week now. This is uh, Joe Biden is absolutely crushing it in the primaries. And this is uh, so Trump leads the GOP field with 58.9%. And uh, Biden's numbers, what are Biden's numbers? 77%. 77%. Right. Do we hear the press talking about this? No. All they talk about is how Trump is the, you know, he's definitely winning and there's no way he's going to lose. All you hear from the press is Joe Biden needs to be worried. Why? I don't know. Math doesn't seem to exist for the press. 77 is a significantly larger number than 58%. Okay. Not sure how that works. This kind of leads us into our, uh, the emergency meeting podcast about the democratic, the challenger, um, Dean Phillips. I keep, you know what? Every time I hear about Dean Phillips, I keep thinking about the guy who used to play Superman. Um, oh my god, Dean Kane. Dean Kane. I don't know why I keep thinking that. God, he yeah. makes me so sad. Yeah, he's he a played, MAGA. Player, he? he played Superman. Superman yeah. is not a MAGA nut. God damn it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I keep thinking <laughs> anyway. Um, but it does, does lead us into this because the primaries, like the Democratic primaries, it Dean Phillips can do some damage. He really can. He can do some damage to Biden. And uh, Bob Tusker outlined this in a piece this week. Um, so it's a bit of a problem, but it is good to hit. Look, I wish people would just understand this, right? That Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. If anybody backing another candidate against Joe Biden is basically you're supporting Trump. I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. You may not want Joe Biden to run, and that's fine. I understand. But he is running. He's going to win the Democratic primary regardless. Uh, he's got a f- very strong track record to stand on. Um, opposing Joe Biden at this point is basically like supporting Trump. I don't understand that. If you're backing third party candidates, if you're backing, you know, Ma- is Marianne Williamson-, Williamson still running or she p- pulled out now? <laughs> yeah, she is. She's still running. Oh, wow. I wonder how that's going. Oh, um, I, wait. Ho- hold on. Hold on. She is. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Where's the numbers for this? Um, it's it's she's doing so badly right now it's so so horrible she's doing that's surprising yeah i know but you know who's doing even worse who jank uger he's pulling at two percent jank is a two percent that's better than i thought to be honest with you honestly i didn't even realize i didn't even think he'd be that high i thought he'd be a little asterisk but um (laughs) damn i had this it's it's in here somewhere but yeah no they're 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 pulling everyone's pulling really really terribly badly against joe biden and yet somehow we're all supposed to be very concerned about this there's nothing on um dean phillips yet he just started so you know they don't there's no there's no serious uh numbers to see how that yeah and i don't think it's going to move the needle that much but it is i mean look biden is yeah he's crushing it he really is I can't understand this. It drives me insane, right? That 
Joe Biden has some of the best. He's had the best, one of the best months I've seen him have as as president. It's probably since the, the start of the Ukraine war. He's I mean, it's, his, it's uh, awful circumstances, but he really yeah. rose to the challenge. Yeah, but that's what a good leader and a good president is supposed to do, and he's doing it right. It, it, it seems absolutely unfathomable that Democrats would be would, would be considering voting for somebody else. I don't, I, I don't get it. Anyway. Uh, but that, that's good news. Rare sunshine. Biden is killing it in the Democratic primary. Um, I think he's actually he's had a fantastic week as well. I know that we're DNC shills, Justin. Uh, we're paid for by the DNC and Hillary Clinton. Well, I personally am a Biden bot, so we should we should we we, we would be saying that. But look, anyway, let's we're, we're going to head into the emergency meeting podcast now, where we're going to be talking about Steve Schmidt, who I had no idea this story is. Like, this is all news to me, right? We'll talk about this in the emergency meeting, but I had pegged Steve Schmidt as one of the good guys. For those who don't know, Steve Schmidt is um, John McCain's former campaign manager who brought Sarah Palin to the world, uh, but then went on a kind of mere culpa tour and said, I'm very sorry that I foisted um, Sarah Palin upon the nation. Um, I'm going to put this right. He founded the Lincoln Project and... Uh, yeah, things have taken. Let's how should we call it a bit of a dark turn recently, or a bit of a um, yeah. He's not the good guy I thought he was. So we're going to be doing a, a, a emergency meeting podcast about the Never Trump movement, about Steve Schmidt and the dangers of uh, of converted Republicans. Um, please come join us in the emergency meeting. Uh, you can get a band membership. You can get it for fifty percent off. I'm going to make the pitch because it's important. This is how we keep going we um rely entirely on our subscribers uh, you get a paid membership you get 50 percent off and you get access to all of our premium articles and the podcast the emergency meeting podcast every week um and you will be our best friends forever <laughs> uh, uh, everybody else thank you so much for listening appreciate it and uh tune in next week adios